Today's scripture reading is from James 5, 17 through 20. And it is, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And that is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. Well, again, let me say it's uh, good to have some family and some friends here today. We're glad to have you all and see all of you all. You're, as uh, Dustin said, the smiling faces out there today. and It is good to be in the Lord's house. Uh, we are now on week four of a worship series called How to Lead a Soul to Christ. And I'm teaching on five simple steps that you can learn and use when talking to someone about becoming a Christian. The first one was show the need for salvation. Most people believe they are good moral people. And yet even good moral people must have a relationship with Jesus Christ to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The second was share the gospel. We talked about how the harvest is ripe, how there has to be this balance between being too timid and being too pushy. And so you have to find just the right balance there to start a spiritual conversation. The third step was proclaim forgiveness. And we know forgiveness of sin is something that only God can do through Jesus Christ and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Because of His resurrection, we can proclaim forgiveness as a free gift for those who will accept it. And so it is everyone's job. Every professing believer, every church member, we have a duty as being a Christian to be able to lead a soul to Christ. And so through this process, that we would help them understand just how available a relationship with Jesus is and how simple it is to be forgiven of sin. And so today we're going to talk about step four. Step four is guide in prayer. Go ahead and write that down. Guide in prayer. Now you might think that this step is the one step that you already know how to do and uh, that you can already pray when it comes to leading someone to Christ. I want to say from my own personal experience of evangelism that it is the step that most Christians can get to but never use. Let me say that again. This is the step that you can get to but most people don't ever use. Because there are many times that you will actually get to this place in conversations. There'll be times when you're talking to someone about giving their life to Christ. And you'll see a glisten of a tear in their eye. And we miss that handle. We miss that opportunity to say, would you like to pray? And so we never get to that point. We pass it by. 
So having a spiritual conversation and not inviting a response. And having a spiritual conversation and not inviting a response of some kind is like telling a person, I'm going to bake your favorite pie. And you get it out of the oven. And you just let the aroma kind of fill the room. And they're asking, can I have a piece of pie? And you're saying, no, you can't have any pie. <laughs> the invitation to prayer is what wraps up our conversation. Whenever you can pray with someone, you can guide them in prayer. And every person here can do this. Some of you think sometimes, well, I, I just don't pray out loud, preacher. Well, you can. Hello? You can pray aloud. And if that's somebody you love, and they're lost, and God is working on them, you can pray aloud with them. God will work in you and through you, and your mouth will open, and you'll say words before you even realize you're saying it. That's the work of God. That's His Holy Spirit in us. You can lead someone in prayer. You can guide them in what to say. And if you say, preacher, I just don't know how to do that, I'll show you several things that you can do, several prayers that you can pray and memorize and practice in fact, one day the disciples came to Jesus with just this problem and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And He taught them, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I guarantee you, if your lips open and you just say that, that prayer, It'll be enough if the Holy Spirit is truly working on that person to help guide them and lead them in prayer. Elijah was at a place one time in his life, right after he had defeated the prophets of Baal, the Bible says he went out into the desert, he found him a broom brush, which is some kind of shrub, he laid down and he said, Lord, just take my life. I can't live anymore. I can't pray anymore. I can't go on anymore. But God showed up. God brought him food, brought him strength, brought him renewed grace and hope and joy. Elijah got up and began to go again. And Elijah did God's will. He prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So I'm going to give you a scenario now. I want you to open up your imagination. You're getting ready to go for a walk in your neighborhood. And just as you're starting out, you hear the voice of God. Hello? You're getting ready to go for a walk around the block of your neighborhood, and you hear the voice of God. And God says, instead of going your normal route, I want you to walk one street over. 
Now, you might be thinking, am I losing my mind? Is this really the voice of God? Is, is God really asking me to, to take one street over? And so you stop and you think, and, and your first thoughts are, well, well, why should I go in a different direction? And, and I've been walking around this block for, for as long as I've lived here in this community. And, and why should I change what I'm doing? And, and then second, you're thinking, is this really God talking to me? Or, or, or am I just hearing voices in my head? Hello? <laughs> Am I going crazy? You see, one thing that will keep you from hearing the voice of God is unbelief. Do I really believe God is speaking to me? John 20 verse 31 said, But these things are written that you may be able to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in His name. The Bible is written so that we can believe. That's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to study the Bible and God's Word. Everything that is in the Bible is something that teaches us to believe in God and that God really can speak to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Scripture and through the Holy Spirit. That's why I've got to put a priority on studying the Bible. I've got to make the Bible part of my life. Part of my life mission. So I'll understand when God is calling me to do more in my life. I'll be able to, to use the Scripture and, and, and know the words to speak. And God will speak through me and through His Holy Word. And so you hear this voice of God. And God speaks to us all the time. God is calling us all the time. God is calling some people to preach. <laughs> There might even be somebody here today that God is saying, you need to, you need to become a preacher. You say, oh, I've already retired. I'm, I'm too old to become a preacher. Now, that's not necessarily the case. God may be speaking to you and say, it's time for you to come into your second vocation, your new vocation, your, your calling to preach the Word of God. You're never too young or too old for God to call you to preach. Certainly, God could be calling you to teach a new class, to share with Others, what you have learned to speak out, to, to help. Certainly God is calling you to give, to lead, to exhort, to have faith, to have knowledge and wisdom, to believe in miracles. God is calling us. God is speaking to us all the time. He's trying to say to us, let me into your heart. And so we have to get beyond all of this that, that maybe God is really speaking to us. Somebody say amen. amen. God really is trying to speak to us. And so you're going for a walk in your neighborhood and God says walk one street over and, and, and now you are in uncharted territory. And you come to a house where someone is doing yard work and God speaks to you again. And God says go up and talk to that person. Like, oh Lord, I can't do that. I can't. What's happening? This is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening, right? They're going to think I'm a fruitcake. They're going to think I'm nuts. You may be wrestling with this kind of wrestling in your mind and in your heart. And, and, and slowly you're able to gain composure and overcome the urge to turn around and run the opposite direction. And so you slowly and you casually, you go toward the person. And as you do, they look up and your eyes meet and you say, hi. And suddenly you find yourself in a conversation with that person about all kinds of things in life. 
And this may seem unlikely to happen so easily, but it happens this way all the time. You can go to check out at the store at the marketplace and, and you're trying to buy some blue cheese to go with your salad or, or some banana pudding to go as your dessert and, and that's all you really intended to do and you go up and, and you say, hi, how are you doing? And the woman says, well, I'm not doing too good. My kids were sick last night. I've got a five-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl and the girl's name is Lisa and she was running a fever last night and Tommy, he had his stomach aching. He just threw up all over the place. And you're thinking, too much information, too much information, too but that's the way it goes people people start conversations and 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 sometimes they don't start out as a spiritual conversation but but if somebody's been up all night and their child is sick maybe they need to hear well would you like for me to pray with you hello Maybe that's, maybe that's what through, through all of the things that they're saying I've had a bad night I was up with my kids they're sick I'm exhausted. I don't know where to turn. Maybe through all of that, they're saying, I need somebody to pray for me and tell me that there's somebody who cares. The fields are ripe for harvest. They're just waiting for somebody to talk to them and show them that somebody cares about them and that somebody loves them. In fact, the Bible says in John 14, 16, that when Jesus went away, He said, I will send you another counselor to be with you forever. And the Greek word for counselor there means one who walks alongside. So Jesus, when He went back up into heaven, He said, I'm going to leave you a counselor. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, that counselor, is one who walks alongside of you. So we have this person in the imagery of the Holy Spirit walking alongside of us, encouraging us, exhorting us, and leading us in doing the work of Christ. And so you're standing there and you're talking to that new friend, that new neighbor around the block, and you're talking to them about family and you're talking to them about work and, and somehow the conversation gets around to, to what they like to do on the weekends and, and they ask you if you like to watch ball games on Sunday and you answer you love to watch ball games but you just don't have much time on Sundays to watch ball games because church is such a priority in your life. Hello? A amen? You say, oh, I love ball games, but, but church is, is the number one priority in my life, and I don't get to watch ball games. I have to record most of my ball games and watch them later on Monday night or Tuesday night because church is such a priority in my life. And they're surprised. <laughs> well, why is church such a, so high a priority in your life? Well, you know, to a lot of people, if you were to rank church as a priority in your life on a scale from zero to ten, with zero being I never go to church, I don't care anything about it, I'm right up there with an atheist, I'm a zero. Ten to being I'm there the first one, the t doors are open, I'm the first one in, I'm the last one out, I can't get enough church, please let me have more church. Ten is way up there. A lot of people would rank church right out up there with taking out the trash. They do it once a week. Hello? Hello? Uh, you know, that, that's where a lot of people think church is. I've got to take out, got to do it once a week. Just got to do it. So where is church on your priority? Say, preacher, you're being awful hard on us this morning. You're being tough on us. Amen. Amen. Maybe I am. 
Because church has to be that high a priority on a person's life. You can't just put it down here at zero or one or two or three and say, oh Lord, just fill me and bless me, but oh, you're not a priority in my life. It has to be the number one priority in your life. And if you're ever going to lead your spouse to Christ that's lost, if you're ever going to lead your children to Christ that's lost, church must be, God must be that number 10 priority in a person's life. And so you're standing there and you say, man, church is a priority in my life. And, and, and you ask them, do they go to church? And, and, and they say no. And, and you say, well, I go to First United Methodist Church. Do you know where that is? And they say, no, they don't know where that is. And, and you say, do you know where Johnson County Library is? And they say, oh, yeah, I know where the library is. And you say, well, we're just right across the street from the library. And they say, oh, I remember now. And let me tell you, I've had this conversation hundreds of times if you don't believe me, just go with me to visit. And I guarantee you, people within a five-mile radius of this church don't even know where it's at. I've had that conversation hundreds of times. And then maybe you talk to them a little bit about it. It's right across from the library, and, and uh, you know they don't know where it's at. You're tempted to just end the conversation right there. Man, they don't even know where the church is. You know They're not interested in church. So you're tempted to just... End the conversation right there. And there's this awkward silence. And silence can be so valuable in a conversation with somebody about their soul. It's this pause that gives them a moment to think. You could end the conversation right there. And that's where you're tempted to end the conversation. But let me give you a handle to open up the door. What if you were to say, what do you think about Jesus right now? What do you think about Jesus right now? And they're going to try to change the subject again. They're going to say, I no longer go to church. Church it doesn't matter to me. In fact, church is boring. Church is, people at church are judgmental. People at church are, are just mental. Hello? <laughs> They're, they're, they're Jesus freaks. And so, I'll just stay at home. And you want to pause again. There's a pause there. And I want, to, I want to ask you, where are you at in this story? Really, you could be one of three people in this story. You could be the walker who hears God's voice and does what God is telling them to do. You could be the walker who hears God's voice and does nothing. Or you could be the neighbor out cutting the shrubs. I want to challenge you and say you are the neighbor out cutting the shrubs. That's where you are in this story. Oh, you thought you was the person going out and witnessing. No, you are the neighbor out cutting the shrubs. And somewhere in your life, somebody has come up to you and started a conversation about God. And somehow that conversation changed you and brought you to where you are today. If it wasn't for somebody having a spiritual conversation with you, you would still be out lost in the world. But somebody dared... To be bold enough and courageous enough to ask you about God. And what do you think about God? And it started you to thinking and, and it started you to asking yourself, where is God in my life and does God really care? And that person said, yes, God cares. God cares so much for you. He gave His only Son that you could have salvation. And then they 
tell you about God being so close and so available. And God really does work. You know how God, I know that God really does work and can work in your life? It's because God really does work in my life. And here are ways that God has worked in my life. I have prayed in the darkness of the night when the sick are getting sicker. And I felt strength and comfort and the presence of God in the dark, cold hours of, of night. I had prayed when my finances were broke and I didn't know where I was going to get the money to pay the next bill. And somehow I get a card in the mail and there's a gift from somebody that just says, because. (laughs) See, God has worked in my life. And if God works in my life, and He works in my life every day, God will work in your life every day. God can work in your life. And so you're talking to them about how God can work in their life, and you're sharing your story. And after you share your story, there comes this wonderful opportunity to invite a response. What what, what do we do to invite a response? We say, would you like me To pray with you. Hallelujah. Man, we have worked so hard for that, haven't we? I mean, think about it. We have have really worked to get to that point. We've done all of these things, man. We've showed them the need for salvation. We've shared the gospel. We've proclaimed forgiveness. God can work for me. God will work. Would you like for me to pray with you? Now, they're going to give you one of two answers. They're going to say, well, no, not now. No, I'm not ready for you to pray with me. And then if they say, well, it, it, can, if you're not ready to pray with me, could I just say a, a really short prayer? And, and they might even say, no, not, not now. And you just say, well, thank you. Have a good day. That's fine. I'll, I'll, okay. But, but, but most likely they'll at least say, yes, you, you, I don't care for you praying for me. In fact, most of the time they'll say, yes, would you, would you pray for me? And you can say, would you like to pray to receive salvation and forgiveness of your sins right now? And, and every once in a while, they'll say yes. And it's just like, what? Did I, did I hear? Th- did they really say yes? That they want to receive Jesus Christ? Did I really hear them say yes? And hallelujah, they said yes. And they become a Christian. And they become a believer. And you have won a soul for Christ. You have covered a multitude of sins. The heavens are singing. The choirs are rejoicing. Every once in a while it happens that way. But it will never happen that way unless you ask. Unless you invite a response. Can I pray with you? And let them answer. And then there's all kinds of ways that you can pray with them. Something as simple as Romans 4.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You invite them to just pray, maybe even ask them to repeat after you. And you say something like, knowing that I have sinned, knowing that I have sinned, and that I need a Savior, that I need a Savior. I turn from my sins and I trust in Jesus. I turn from my sins and I trust in Jesus. And I receive forgiveness. And I receive forgiveness. 
And he gives me eternal life. From this time forward, he gives me strength to seek and to serve in all the areas of my life. You can get someone to pray that simple prayer, and if you want one, I'll give you this little book that has it in it. I've got lots of them. Right in the front of this little book, it even has a spiritual birth certificate. And you could say, now that you have accepted Christ as your Savior, I want you to have this spiritual birth certificate. And you write the date on it, and you sign it as a witness that says, I have witnessed this person give their heart and their life to Christ. And oh, what a difference it makes when we lead a soul to Christ. Let's bow our heads. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day and this opportunity. Lord, may we truly, truly prepare ourselves to be witnesses, to, to really work on this process of leading others to come to know Jesus, that, that we be intentional about sharing the Gospel and, and offering prayer and being with people when they're hurting and lost and broken. And Lord, may we really, really be a part of growing Your kingdom. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.